you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm Red Lewis, and this is NFL Inside Report. On today's episode, a look inside what will be a wild playoff race in the AFC down the stretch with seven teams sitting at five wins right now heading into week 11. One of those teams, the Indianapolis Colts, getting set for one of the more pivotal matchups in the league this week as they travel to Orchard Park, New York, to take on the Bills. Dig into that one and what it means for the playoffs. But we begin with one of the critical players in this playoff push for the Indianapolis Colts, a first-year Colt and quarterback Carson Wentz. And for some insight now, we welcome in Colts team reporter and a fellow Indiana Hoosier, Lara Overton. Lara, your conversation with Frank Reich really caught my eye because back when Frank was a part of the evaluation process for quarterbacks in Philly before they drafted Carson, apparently Frank's steady hand and even-keeled manner don't necessarily extend to quarterback evaluations. Is that right? Quite an unorthodox test that he put all of the quarterbacks through. Well, I remember I brought him in and I used when Carson came in, you know, I was, they were on, on my computer, on my desk computer, and I had some brain games, you know, cognitive brain games. Because when he was telling the story, I heard him mention that Philadelphia was pretty well targeting a quarterback. They knew yeah. that that was the move they were going to make. So they had honed in on a number of different guys. So all of the quarterbacks were put through this same test. And Coach Reich brought each of the guys into his office and had a series of, of cognitive computer games to put them through. Put each quarterback through three tests, noted their scores on each of the three tests. And then he puts them through those same three tests one more time. But the second round. But then what I did, the last test that I gave each one of them was play the same three games. But now as you're playing the game, I'm screaming and yelling as loud as I can in your ear. Coach Reich, who is one of the most poised human beings who I have ever known. So you have to get the visual of Coach Reich because he is so even keel. He on the, the second round of the three games is yelling, shouting, waving his arms, waving hats, throwing things at them, telling him they're losers, saying you stink. He said he got so into it and he was kind of embarrassed to say this. That it was a great illustration. But he said he was actually spitting as he was yelling. Yes. As he says. I'm embarrassed to say this, but spits coming out of my mouth. I'm waving hats and you know, throwing things in my office. Because he wanted to see how they handled that intensity, that hostility that was inevitable when you're playing quarterback in the NFL. So we compared the scores from the first round on there, just playing the games themselves, and then the second round playing the game, but underneath those circumstances yeah. of being taunted by yes. who could be eventually your offensive coordinator. Of all the quarterbacks who they vetted, and I'm not sure the number, but it was multiple guys that they put through this sure. method. 
Carson Wentz was the lone quarterback who scored higher on the second round when he was being taunted and harassed and trash talked. And that, that just told me something that, you know, there's, the, the guy's unflappable. I really think he's unflappable. It doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean you win every time. But I think that he's got that gene in him. And I said from that point and what he showed in that limited window, that you know, small sample size, and now knowing Carson for a number of years, working with him in two different franchises, how has that proved to be true? Essentially, how much yeah. did your test work that he was unflappable? And he said, I feel a confidence that when the game is on the line, he wants to step up and make that play. And he said, to play quarterback, you're certainly dependent on things going well around you. They're going to depend on a whole lot of other things going right to put you in a situation to be successful in those type of very intense, high-pressure situations. And he's got the mentality that he's not afraid, and he believes he's going to win, not only because of confidence in himself, but also because of the guys who are surrounding him and putting him in that position. And look, and while that... I is true for the most part from what we've seen from Carson Wentz following his phenomenal 2017 season. I don't think anyone could have foreseen the adversity he would face in the years to come there in Philadelphia, which would ultimately lead to Philadelphia trading him to Indianapolis. And of course, one of the reasons that we loved that storyline, that pairing that reunion with Frank Reich and Carson Wentz was because they had so much success together in Philadelphia. How much did that really play a part from your understanding in why the Colts wanted to have Carson this year be the successor to Phillip Rivers? Oh, immensely played into it. We know that Frank Reich really pushed to go and get Carson once he knew that it was a possibility right. that Carson would be available. And he went to Chris Ballard and he went to Jim Ursay and he said a number of times, like, I... I like to stick my neck out for my guys and he will do that. And he stuck his neck out for Philip Rivers. I mean, Philip was coming off a season where he'd thrown more interceptions in his career than at any other point. And he came in last sure. year and had a very productive, successful season, you know, with the Colts. So I think that the Philip Rivers test, obviously Chris Ballard and Ed Dodds and Jim Merce, they all had a lot of confidence in Frank, but having an opportunity for Frank to go out and bring in Philip and see how well that reunion worked, I think, you know, only backed That's this a good time point. going around where yeah. he was going back to say, here's another guy who I have in place. And part of the situation now, I also think in talking both with Coach and with Carson about this reunion was it wasn't that Carson had to come in and be a savior for the franchise. There was a well-built foundation that Carson Wentz was able to walk into behind this offensive line, working with Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr., who were going to be second-year guys when he walked into the room. You have veterans like T.Y. Hilton and Jack Doyle within the offense. And then you have this fantastic defense to complement as well, led by Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, Kenny Moore the second. So it was a situation where Carson obviously wanted that fresh start. And coach felt like to, I have heard him note, and he did this in hard knocks. He also yeah. told us about this in our with the next pick series that went into the entire Colts offseason, primarily focused on the draft, but also on the trade Carson Wentz. He noted a number of times the maturity 
that Carson had gained since he met him prior to the draft coming out of North Dakota State. It's so interesting to me. How are you? Drafting him out of college, you see this young, in some ways naive, um, swashbuckling, you know, gunslinger, carefree competitor, tough, gritty competitor. To this more sophisticated, um, cultured, but still a little bit crazy father and dad. And I thought that that was really interesting. Not only the number of times that Coach Reich mentioned how much more, you know, polished and mature that Carson had become, but Carson admitted that about himself as well, that he is a different person. He said, you know, I went, I went into Philadelphia. I was straight out of college. I was single. I had to learn the NFL. I had to learn everything that went into it, learning a franchise, being in a completely new. I mean, I don't know if there's, you know, a more drastically different environment than going from North Dakota to, you know, Philadelphia. Sure. And so adapting to all that, then, you know, he meets his wife, he gets married, he becomes a father, just welcomed the second daughter right. last week or earlier this week, I should say. Fairly dramatically. Born. Yeah. So he, he was really honest about like, I feel like I am such a different person from five years ago. For the most part this year, Carson has been very similar to what we saw from him on that kind of MVP type run back in 2017 with the Eagles. What are they doing so well on the football side that resonates with Carson? One thing I've talked with both about, and I've heard Coach Wright say this a number of times, is that they're able to respectfully challenge each other. Not just the personal side of things, which we knew we, you know, we had a great relationship with that, but the X's and O's of football and how we see the game and how we um, can kind of have healthy discussions and disagreements, but really challenge each other and um, ultimately make each other better. It was it was a lot of fun, and uh, you know I look forward that you know that's something I'm super excited about getting to work with him again because I have the utmost respect for for the man that he is, um, you know the friend that he's been for, to me as well, but also the, the coach that he is as well which I thought was really interesting is it's not always a situation where Coach Reich is telling Carson something and he goes out and execute it. Like Carson has a mentality too about, or a, you know, an opinion on maybe, or a perspective that he wants to share in terms of how something should go. And those two are really able to have those healthy discussions in terms of what they want a game plan to look like, how they want Carson to approach particular scenarios, right. the execution on things. One of the things that I believe we're watching evolve in this Carson Wentz, Frank Reich reunion is Frank is coaching Carson how to utilize what he has at his disposal. He wants to be sure that Carson isn't in a situation where he feels he has to carry this offense entirely on his shoulders. That feels like a big reason why this quote-unquote rebuilding of Carson Wentz, the player, has worked for the most part this season. The turnovers are way down, just like they were with Phillip Rivers a year ago. I think that was it was a really astute point you made there about yeah. Frank Reich building equity within the organization on his suggestions and making them work, and clearly it's working now. I'm curious in the way that Carson Wentz leads this team. And I'm also wondering how much there was some question and some doubt about that early on when he went down on the second day of training camp, but then completely turned that on its head when he was available week one to start for this team. And one of the ways I think that you have seen his leadership 
exuded on the field is playing through two sprained ankles. Yeah. I mean, the way that he even gave them, you think about the situation in Nashville when they were playing the Titans in week three, even getting out there and trying to find ways, he was nearly immobile in that game. And the grittiness that he showed, kind of the, the stubbornness, and I mean stubbornness in a good way, where I'm getting out there and I'm going to do whatever it takes to be sure I'm putting my team in a position here. And, you know, they game planned around the limitations that he had. Um, I'm, going to, I'm thinking back to when I asked Darius Leonard about the leadership mm-hmm. of Carson Wentz. And I, he said he, he is not a super vocal guy. He's very, he's very lead by example, but there's a confidence there is, you know, it, that you feel within his presence, locker room, practice field, um, in the game, when he is out there, he has a command and he doesn't even have to say anything. It's in the way that he does it. Availability was certainly one thing that led to Carson Wentz's departure from Philly with all the unfortunate injuries he dealt with. And the fact that he's been able to fight through some of these ailments here for Indianapolis certainly adds another piece to that that rebuild resume that uh, Frank Reich and Carson Wentz have embarked on here in Indianapolis and has played a role in them being in this playoff race, uh, one that is getting hotter by the minute. And we'll dig into it when we come back here on NFL Inside Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Back with Colts reporter Lara Overton with us here on NFL Inside Report as the Colts have won five of their last seven games after starting 0-3. They're sitting there in second place in the AFC South here, Lara, behind the 8-2 Tennessee Titans. They're one of seven teams right now with exactly five wins in the AFC. It is going to be a mad scramble for the postseason in this conference down the stretch of this 2021 season. How are the Colts kind of assessing their position, both within the division and within kind of the playoff format right now as we as we head into week 11? The message from Frank Reich last week was, hey, we dug ourselves into a hole and he likes to have this metaphor of climbing the mountain. As we have studied, right, what it takes to get to the top of the mountain, what it takes to be champions and the common denominators, the key checkpoints up that mountain. Right. Those are the those are the key checkpoints that we talked about. You know, we've been on this climb. We've climbed ourselves up to 500 on the season. And he said this, as you mentioned, this AFC race is wide open. Why not us? Yes, we dug ourselves into a hole, but that's okay. We know where we're trying to go and everything is still out there. All of our goals are still out there for us to achieve. Know that you have to approach almost every week as must win. That's the mentality that this team has taken is they felt like going into Buffalo, this is a playoff-like atmosphere. And we're going to treat this as, 
we're going to treat this as a must-win game because we know the goals that Buffalo has. They came into the year as a Super Bowl favorite, and we lack a a you know signature win over a playoff contending team. And yeah. the Indianapolis Colts need that. They've put themselves in position, you know, against the Ravens in Baltimore on Monday night, up nineteen points. Yep, should have won. At the five. Second goal, Jackson by himself in the gun, gets the high snap, sits in the pocket, cocks his arm, throws a pass in zone, caught for the touchdown! At the goal line, caught by Brown, Baltimore wins! Line drive, game-winning touchdown throw! Lamar Jackson, the Ravens have won! At home against the Titans, in which you let a 14-point lead evaporate, and you made costly mistakes down the stretch yeah. that cost you that game. Wentz under center. Play fake and a deep drop. Fires downfield. The ball is intercepted. Fired. 40, 35. Allie Cox gets him out of bounds at the 31. Those are two opportunities that the Indianapolis Colts are still sick over. Yeah, you give yourself the 24-hour rule no matter what. But I tell you what, those are still those two L's that they look to where that could have turned things around for you and you would be in a different position, even if you've gotten one of those. Sure. Two victories, sitting there at right? six and four, seven and three. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a huge difference than sitting there at five and five. At, and at just the confidence that you would get and the respect that you would get by beating teams that aren't necessarily, you know, Jacksonville and the well, Jets. Sure, they haven't beat a team with a winning record yet. Right. right? That's exactly. the big part of this. That's, That's why people are kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop here with the Colts good story right now sitting there five and five but you got to prove it at some point against one of the best after being swept by you know your division rival in Tennessee uh, who sits there atop the and or atop the AFC atop the division and now you have that opportunity and How? you look to Jake I mean Jacksonville obviously got to sure. win over Buffalo the Dolphins who you right got to right. win over Baltimore like I, I know that that resonates with this team so how are they approaching this challenge this week against the league's number one total and scoring defense, not to mention one of the most explosive offenses in football with Josh Allen? Uh, it, it is the motivation that they carried into the offseason by how the 2020 season ended in Buffalo to this team. Four seconds, no timeouts, Colts down three at the Buffalo 47. Trips near right. Rivers out of the gun. Fades back. Four-man rush. Rivers steps into a throw. He takes a shot. Zeroes on the clock. Toward the end zone. Knocked away. And the Bills win it. The Buffalo defense swarms. The ball was short of the end zone anyway. And they slap it down. Incomplete. The Buffalo Bills win it. 27-24. And they snap the third longest active playoff drought in the NFL. It ends at 24 seasons. This almost counts for two <laughs> for this team because they want that revenge because they were in position. They could yeah. have knocked off the Bills. They had things working in, you know, in their favor against a very good Buffalo Bills team in January in, you know, hostile territory, all of those things. They were playing so well. And then you came to, it came down to a handful of plays that you would have liked to have had back. There were penalties, you know, that gave new life to the Bills in that situation. So this is where they know it takes the best effort, their their best game of the season, and it starts 
right now. And the things that, that cost you, you have evaluated, you've looked to, you look at the different situations in how other quarterbacks as a defense have beat you. And one of the things that we noted a couple of times this week in our conversations was containing Josh Allen has to be a priority, you know, not allowing him to make plays with his feet, make plays with his feet, not allowing him to buy time to get guys open and give up the explosive plays. It's going to come down to those situations because the quarterbacks who you've allowed to do that, that's where they have, you know, really had success against you is quarterbacks who have had time. And the other thing is the success that Jacksonville had was getting pressure early and often. And we know that this offense, you mentioned, it is, it is dynamic. It is high powered. They have multiple weapons. Um, you have to impact their game early on because when this offense gets into a rhythm, it is really hard to counteract that. It's hard to slow them down once they um, are really working. But man, I mean, defensively, we know that they're really good at stopping the run. And for yeah. the Colts, uh, their offense there runs to Jonathan Taylor. There it is. And with Pro Bowl voting now open, it, it seems like a lock at this point with Jonathan Taylor tied with Derrick Henry atop the lead for uh, the rushing yardage title right now, just shy of a thousand yards as we enter week 11, which is a crazy number uh, right now. He's emerging as the best back in football, especially with Derrick Henry sidelined uh, in your own division there in the AFC South. If the, if the Colts are able to pull off this win, in Orchard Park, New York against the Bills, how much of a role does Jonathan Taylor have in it? He has to be a huge role. The Colts are 8-0 and when Jonathan Taylor has 100 yards rushing or more. <laughs> That's simple then. Jonathan Taylor starting at running back on first down and 10. And it is a handoff to Taylor. Between the tackles, has room. There he goes. Taylor down the sideline and shoved out of bounds by Rayshon Jenkins. I mean, <laughs> feed JT, feed right. number 28, feed JT. Feed JT. I, I, I mean, it just, and, and it's going to be tough because you notice how, you know, defenses are scheming for the weapon that he is, much like the way defenses have to scheme for a guy like Derrick Henry. And I love for Jonathan Taylor, as he has gained confidence, over the course of not just this season, but going back to the way that he finished last season as well. And this has just been, you know, a continuous progression in terms of the growth that we've seen from him. But as his confidence has increased, he's continued to, ha to have the same humility. Yeah. Yeah. And awesome. he is, he just is a complete back who wants to achieve his ceiling, but he, seemingly feels no pressure he was asked about people putting him in this conversation where you know early on Colts owner Jim Ursay who has been around plenty of Hall of Famers and has said you know he's seems to be the best quarter or best running back that the Colts have had since Edrin James and he could be a, a Hall of Famer yeah. he could wear a gold jacket someday and Jonathan Taylor was asked about that and about the pressure that goes along with it and he said Everybody wants to be great in this game. Isn't that what everybody is aspiring to? If you're playing in the NFL, don't you you right. want that? You want to have that success. You want to be in a winning organization. You want to have the type of statistics and success that put you in that type of conversation. So I don't feel pressure because I think everybody wants to have that. And everyone has those expectations for themselves. And I thought that was 
such an incredible perspective from a second year guy to have that type of vision. And one of the, a few things that keep Jonathan Taylor hungry and humble. One of them, he's been very vocal and candid about, he's never won a championship at any level of football. Didn't win a high school state championship, did not win a national championship when he was playing for Wisconsin, never won a championship. He is chasing a championship, chasing that title. Another thing is I have got, have had conversations with his mom, <laughs> Liz Taylor, who oh, nice. she has five, she has five children. Jonathan's the youngest of the five. And she worked overnights so that she would be there in the mornings for her kids and be there during the day and all of those things, but worked overnights to provide for them. And she came from a, a family that really uh, had trouble making ends meet and sure. struggled at times. And one of the things that she always prided herself on was never wanted my kids to be without. She goes, if you open my pantry, I am stockpiled with paper products, with paper towels, with all of the essentials, with you know canned goods and all of those yeah. things. Because I never want my children to need for anything. I never want them to struggle. And Jonathan Taylor embodies that mentality from his mom. He carries that with him. He has watched her. And that is something that burns this fire deep within him to not only have success for himself, to have success for this organization, but to have success for his family. No question. And uh, we'll get to see all of this down the stretch run unfold on Hard Knocks. First ever Hard Knocks in-season edition uh, with the Indianapolis Colts this year. Lara Overton with some phenomenal insight. Lara, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Rhett, thanks so much for having me on. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And that's going to do it for this episode of NFL Inside Report. Reminder to download, rate, and review our show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. We greatly appreciate it. We'll be back with you on Monday to look back on the Week 11 Sunday, taking you inside the highlights and behind all the headlines from another wild week in the NFL. For producers Thomas Warren and Tim Poroshka, I'm your host, Rhett Lewis. We'll catch you next time. NFL Inside Report is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more official podcasts from the NFL, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.